Oh, what is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Gerald Valley here, and I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in to this edition of The Drop-In. I'm stoked to be back in studio, man. If you watched last week, we had the amazing Amy Chorky on air, and, and it, was, it was awesome because we had talked on the phone a few times, but we had not been in the same room in like 20 years. Seriously, 20 years. And it was it was rad. Hopefully you guys saw that show. The story, her story, I mean, very similar to mine. Uh, you know, drinking will take you out. It will take you out un- until you take your life into your own hands and you get some help and you reach out and you do whatever it ha- you have to do. I was speaking with somebody last week and I said, you know, when I decided to get sober, if somebody would have told me I had to crawl on glass to Antarctica in order to stay sober, I would have done it. Like, I was willing, I got to that point where I was willing to do whatever I had to do to stay sober, whatever it was. And, um, you know, we're going to continue on that theme because I think it's very important right now with COVID and the lockdowns and the liquor stores being open. It, it, it is tough. And I quoted uh, last week, I said, relapses are up 42%, overdoses up 18% right now. And that's when I decided, I'm like, for the rest of, for all of August, when I get back in studio, I want to talk to my sober friends. I want to talk to my sober friends and, and we'll, we'll talk about their lives and how they got to that point and how they continue to stay sober. Today, uh, I have this awesome young lady in studio. Um, we met a couple years ago and we started talking and, and she's like, yeah, I've been sober. And I'm like, no way. I've been sober for a little while too. So we, 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 there was this bond, this instant bond and we've been friends ever since. And she, when I put the post out on social media, she immediately reached out and she's like, I'd I'd like to come on. And so, um, in the NRM studios today, (laughs) I have Lori Josephs, and, and so in a moment, you, we are going to start where we always start on the drop-in. You know, we start at, at, at how you grew up, and then we go from there. And so thank you guys so much for tuning in today. You know, when uh, after this show, if there's somebody in your life that can be inspired, influenced, stoked on what you hear over the next two segments. We're going to do two 25-minute segments, part one and part two. Anybody, share it. Let's make this go viral. You know, we hear all this negativity everywhere, and you know with the drop-in, we are making positivity go viral, and today it's all about recovery. So thank you once again, and without me running my trap anymore, I want to introduce you to a wonderful friend of mine, Miss Lori Josephs. Lori, thank you so much for coming down today. Yay, thank you for having me. We've talked about this for so long. Yeah, I had mentioned I said, to you a long yeah. time ago. I'm like, you need to come on my show. And you're well, like, when I'm ready. Thank you for asking. Yeah. How's uh, how's this whole, you know, uh, everybody's routine has shifted quite a bit through this COVID stuff. It, it, and, um, you know, my life has stayed relatively, you know, pretty status quo. Little little shifts here and there. Skate parks are closed, things of that nature. How, how uh, have you been doing through all this? Oh, you know, like everyone, lockdown was... Um, Back in March, we locked down. We didn't go to the office. We didn't work. Kids were um, home from school. Yeah, the first few months was pretty intense. Although for me, it you know, greater good stuff, right? I stayed home. I did what I had to do. I ate a lot of food I shouldn't have eaten. Um, luckily, I didn't have to worry about the liquor stores. But, uh, you know, as we opened up a little bit, my life has been pretty... 
I can't say bad or I feel restricted, but I'm definitely doing more things that involve uh, less people, obviously. Um, one of the great things that COVID allowed us to do is to do Zoom meetings. Um, a, I mean, I can go to a meeting all day long. So that's been phenomenal because as someone in recovery, I don't know. I mean, I've been, I went to more meetings during lockdown than I normally do. So thank God for that. Because yeah. I, I do wonder, even with long-term sobriety, where would I be? I have no idea. Probably yeah. not good. Probably eating more food. <laughs> well, and I thought the same thing, you know, if I was sitting at home, um, you know, being stagnant, right. um, being unemployed, right. <laughs> uh, and with in across, I believe it's across the country, you know, with unemployment, them with the extra 600 bucks. So now I have more money. Right. I'm sitting doing nothing. <laughs> that is a very challenging uh, time for somebody who is uh, trying to stay sober. Right. And that's why I thought it was very important that I do this uh, series of shows sure. about it. Um, you, <laughs> I think you you posted something the other day. It's like after COVID, you'll either be like, uh, what was it, like a hunk, <laughs> drunk, or something. A chunk. It, yeah, or a chunk. And I thought that was pretty funny. Or a funny. monk. Or a monk, yeah. Monk, monk, chunk, or drunk. That was right. the three. But that was pretty funny. But, you know, here on the drop-in, we always start at the beginning. Right. So uh, let's just start right there. Sure. Uh, Where did you grow up, and how was how was the family dynamic in, in early childhood? Sure. So I grew up here in Michigan, Gross Point. Um, family dynamic. I'd say we were middle class. Uh, I was the middle child. Not sure what that means, but I'm sure someone can analyze that. Um, you know, young parents. They, You know, back then, people had kids at 22, 23 great family. My dad was an entrepreneur. He had his own business. Um, I always tell people my life, zero to six, was awesome. You know, we had a boat. We were at the yacht club. Uh, my dad had his own business, built this really beautiful home on Jefferson on the lake. And uh, life was good. So I don't, early childhood, pretty good. Now, my dad did like to drink, and he was always the fun one. Um, one of my first memories is he took me and a bunch of his buddies to, uh, back then, Pine Knob, right, mm -hmm. to see Fleetwood Mac, front row, <laughs> and I was probably six or seven, and uh, I think no one was watching me, so I just remember Stevie Nicks and loud music and very loud, and, um, Lots of beer. It was they rented a motor home, and you know I was covered in beer when I got home. Um, at six. Yeah, at six. Uh, not from me, but from beer spilling. But uh, you know, I looked at that as fun. I don't know. Again, I'm sure it can be analyzed. <laughs> so my childhood was very um, lots of parties. My parents were really social. So I kind of grew up in this, you know, big huge parties happening and surprise parties and just fun. So, you know, the fun ended uh, eventually. My parents got divorced. Um, things went a little sideways. Again, my dad was always a drinker, um, but fun. So I have nothing bad to say about him. But, you know, none of that really matters when I look at where I am today in my recovery. And I spent years trying to figure that all out, right? Like, why, why, why? Mm -hmm. Because I have an older sister who's a normal drinker. I have a younger brother who's a normal drinker. I have one half-sister, normal drinker, and then my youngest, uh, she's about 16 years in recovery. Kristen, I think, I'm not sure. Uh, but long-time recovery, so there we are. I mean, why someone's an alcoholic and another child is not, that's a great mystery. Um, 
Nothing. Well, there's some cra- crazy philosophies that, um, you know, genetically it could be there. Right. But you have to trigger that gene, mm-hmm. you know, whatever that is, whatever. <laughs> if it's, you know, your first drink, right. if it's, you know, I always knew I was a, like an addictive personality. Mm-hmm. Anything I did, I had to. I was all in, you know. I right. wanted to do it the best I freaking could, <laughs> and and I, I knew that about myself. Right. Um, and it most of my life that proved to be pretty fruitful, you know, when it came to hockey sure. or skateboarding or artwork right. or whatever. Uh, but with alcohol, you know, it was like they didn't make a bottle of vodka big enough <laughs> when I started, and so I had to uh, realize that at a certain point, which was February second, um, almost four years ago. Um, but I want to talk about school a little bit because in in, in high school for me uh, the punk rockers weren't the cool people, <laughs> and I was one of like you know four or five skateboarders in the I mean right. the whole city and it wasn't cool. How how was your uh, you know junior high high school uh, school career? So I started drinking at fourteen and um, which was right about ninth grade, mm-hmm. maybe even eighth. Um, you know I think. It was okay. I mean, I had a lot of friends. We did our thing. Um, you know, I can't recall any major whatever, like, I issues or, you know, being like, oh, I don't fit in. I'm sure I had some of those thoughts. I just remember at 14 years old, when I took my first drink, I know exactly what happened looking back. Not at the time, but when I look back... That first drink I had, the minute I took it, something changed, and I felt normal. So apparently, up until that moment, I did not feel quite right. Alcohol made me feel right. Like, now I'm like everyone else, which is a very strange thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember it, and the only reason I know that is I was told that by someone much smarter than me in my recovery years of listening to people, and they explained what I was feeling, and it was dead on. So it took alcohol for me to feel okay. And I should have just felt okay without alcohol. So like my normal non-alcoholic friends just feel like that all the time. I, being an alcoholic, need something um, outside of me to make me feel that way. And that for me is where it started. Because then I was like, that's the best thing I ever felt. So I chased that. But unfortunately for an alcoholic, you're chasing something you can never ever recreate and it just it's like you're 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 going after something in you know to all depths to get to a place that is unattainable mm-hmm. and that for me was my you know 13 some years of drinking i think we decided how many years i drank so i chased that and i wanted to feel that and i never really did again but i still remember that feeling of just ah that's good and the cool part is being sober I now feel that way without any alcohol or drugs. I feel that way through everything I've done to stay sober and the program I work. I feel okay. And it's not coming from any outside source. So that's kind of how high school or uh, middle school, high school, you know, the funny thing is, and I call you G, you told me. Yeah. uh, As I went through high school and I partied a lot, and I think you were asking me about grades. My grades were horrible. I graduated with a 2.1 from high school, which I guess is a C student, and um, I drank all through high school. Not like during the day, but I was always thinking about drinking. So Monday, I'm like, what are we doing Friday? It was always like, what are we doing on the weekend? So my thought process was always about the party and the drinking. 
So there was no sports or cheerleading no. or any of that <laughs> stuff involved here. I was on the Powder Puff football team for okay. a hot minute. Um, no, I did do art and I did pottery. So um, that is one thing I did do outside of partying. And luckily I had a great art teacher at Gross Point South, Mr. Pluhar, who just recently passed away. Um, and he was amazing. And he told me, you know, alcohol was a problem for me way back then. He knew it. But he also knew if I sat in his class and I did art, um, I was in a good spot. So that did give me, outside of, you know, my party life, something to do that was constructive and healthy. Um, so I appreciated him all those years. And I stayed friends with him for many, many years. He saw me get sober. So that was very cool. But I did get my senior year in high school um, – you know, the yearbook, they give you best of. <laughs> I was best hostess of my senior class, um, which at the time seemed like an awesome honor. It just meant I threw the biggest parties, the best parties, probably because I was the drunkest and didn't care. So um, I believe they removed that from our high school yearbook because that promoted underage drinking. So It's funny you bring that up because <laughs> last week uh, I had Amy Chorky on okay. the show, and, and we went to high school together. Right. And she brought... <laughs> up the yearbook and she's like do you remember we were both voted most artistic and i said oh <laughs> i don't right, but yeah right. and i wasn't drinking but right. i d- i don't remember that and i was on the yearbook staff so i was the one like drawing the cover <laughs> or something but um you know for me uh, i worked hard in high school to get c's <laughs> and uh it wasn't easy but I, I had a pretty good time. Right. You know, I, I have some uh, I don't I don't recall high school, even though sometimes I talk about it and I'm like, we were the outcasts or we right. were this or that. I don't really recall it being a horrible time. It was right. what we did. And we went to school dances and we showed up mm-hmm. at the football games and we did what we were supposed to do. And most of my friends were, uh, as far as I know, we didn't party like we were the straight edge punk rockers yeah. kind of thing. Um, were your parents or. Uh, your friends, people around you, like, aware or commenting on your partying during high school? Um, Yeah, so I definitely had my parents would uh, be a little concerned. And I think back then people, you know, we grew up in a very social community and, oh, isn't that cute, isn't that cute? Um, But I definitely had some uh, conversations and um, revolving my drinking. I knew, and I think I was telling you this earlier, so at 14 I remember I was at a party my friend's house on Washington, and we had kegs and kegs of beer. And that night, I remember putting beer, like hid away some beer cans in the back of the fridge and the butter, you know, the little flap, because I was worried we would run out of beer. And in that moment... <laughs> at as 14? I, yeah, at 14. <laughs> and as I was doing that, this conscious thought came over me like, wow, drinking's going to be a problem because you like it this much. We're never going to run out of beer. We could have, like, you know, had the whole high school there. But that, that tells me my little alcoholic brain was already functioning at full speed at 14. And see, you're reminding me of crazy stuff because I was at a party, and I was probably 13 or 14, and I was with the cooler kids. So right. I'm like, I have to do what the cool kids do. And I remember going home and telling my mom I walked around with an empty beer can all night so nobody would ask me if I needed a beer. Right. And I didn't drink. So you're like all. the opposite of me. At that time. Right, right. At that time, I was terrified of it. I wasn't sure what it was going to do to me, and I didn't know what would happen, and I thought I would die or something. Right. Like, I was seriously scared. And maybe internally I knew what was going to happen later, right. but uh, I 
again, being right. reminded of these things. And my mom will bring it up on occasion. Sure. She'll be like, remember that time you were at Tony's house and you walked? I'm like, yeah, I do remember that. Where you're stashing it away going, right. if we run out, I want to have my yeah, private. Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of that thing I've learned about being an alcoholic. You know, as my drinking progressed, obviously, I went on and drank uh, for a while. I always felt there wasn't enough alcohol to get me to whatever drunkenness I felt I needed to achieve. And that, again, I, people ask me all the time, how do you know if you're an alcoholic? And I always say, well, A, if you start questioning your drinking, that's usually a good sign because normal drinkers that I've talked to never, ever question their drinking. Right. They just don't. They're like, why would I? Um, and And it's all those little things that, you know, it's that mental addiction that starts coming out. Um, You know, when am I going to drink? Is there going to be enough? When's the bar closing? At the very end of my drinking, I would order three or four beers at once because I knew that bartender could not make it back in a crowded night to me. And and he's like, what? Because I could literally drink a beer in probably two seconds, like uh, Miller Lite. So nothing, you know, not like the cool stuff they drink today but I mean it was water I mean I could I could just two or three and ten minutes so all of that is the insanity of addiction Mm -hmm. right it's controlling everything I did and you wake up in the morning and you're already wondering when I get out of work right what is my plan right and and that's the obsession that that I know I had I can't speak for anyone else I only speak about my experience because I know there's very many like different ways this comes out in people. So for me, I was chronic. I was alcoholic. I can never drink again. For me to drink is to die. I can't have just one. And I've always believed from the day I took my last drink that if I picked up again, because I relapsed for six years. I, you know, I'd been to two rehabs. Um, I'd been in and out of A for six years. I'd show up. I'd not really do anything. Um... I would um, uh, work a step and then show up two years later and explain to everyone why it didn't work. And um, <laughs> so I definitely spent a lot of time relapsing, which is something, you know, it, you don't have to, but I did. And the Now, lo- early on, were you predominantly just beer or was it anything? Like where I was straight, I didn't like beer. I was straight vodka. That's you know, I right. mean, it was rum for a while, and it, but it was pretty much straight vodka. I didn't even, I didn't bother with beer or anything like that. I, I had a mission. Right. As soon as I started. Um, I in high school, I drank beer. I drank vodka. I drank uh, coolers. Oh yeah, <laughs> remember those? California People forget about coolers? those now. They're called right. like white claws. Right, right. Now they're re branded yeah yeah um those are really gross though um i drank anything i mean i drank weird stuff like you know we were obviously underage so you know weird stuff out of the back of your parents liquor cabinet that no one's touched um wine i i had i was equal it didn't matter uh, opportunist yeah (laughs) drinker um but yeah Definitely anything that had alcohol in it. Right on. So you graduate, you know, high school. Mm-hmm. Um, immediate plans to go to college? No, because, again, I was a little defocused on the future. I did, though, realize real quick I needed to have a plan. Um, probably my end of or maybe senior year. So my grades, like I said, you know, now that everyone knows my grade point. Um, <laughs> but in hindsight, that's kind of impressive for someone who did not try and 
I tried, and right. I wasn't that much higher right, than right. that. <laughs> so I ended up going to this school up in um, Traverse City, two-year college, because they took me, because they were two-year college, right? So um, it was great. North, North, uh, Northwest College, uh, I think. It's a great college up in Traverse City, and I absolutely loved it because it was Traverse City. And what beautiful. were you thinking about studying at that point? Um, whatever. Just whatever. Um, but I did take a pottery class, and I got very involved with pottery up there. And there was an art studio out in the woods, and I would sit in this beautiful little cabin and just make pottery. That's sort of cool. So it was cool. And um, the one thing I'll share about going up north, so, you know, it's northern Michigan, very cold as the winter, you know, we, you know, everyone just drank, right? You eat and drink. And I was like 15 pounds overweight, drunk all the time. I was miserable. And I said, I'm going to quit drinking. So this was the very first time in my life I made that choice to get my grades up. I wanted to work out and I didn't want to drink. And I left there very thin, very fit, 3.5 grade point, And I, um, transferred down to a college in Florida. Now, were you completely sober during that time, or were you just managing? Nope. I quit drinking, like, I don't know, let's say January through May. (laughs) So, you know, in in hindsight, it it really, you could look back and go, look how quick that happened. You know, but it can go the other way just as quick, but how quick of a positive turnaround that was. And Exactly. So that was my very first clue that if I quit drinking... Many good things happened, and I felt better, and um, I would run down uh, Bayshore Drive in Traverse City, which is just gorgeous, and mm-hmm. I just, like I said, I was doing pottery out in the woods with this amazing teacher. I can't remember his name. So I felt very positive and happy and, like, you know, I wasn't planning on never not drinking, but I knew I, I correlated that health and wellness to the not drinking. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of my journey and my start of, like, how do I quit drinking? Right, right. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, again, for all you guys, you know, and, and young ladies watching from wherever you are in the world, um, I think that's a great uh, uh, spot to really reflect on, you know, I know for me, I, I speak right. from me, and, and when I offer suggestions, that's all it is, <laughs> is me offering a suggestion, because it's not one size fits all or one size fits most, it's whatever keeps you sober, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how quickly things can turn around for the positive and the negative. Uh, I mean, in a very short period of time, you got fit, you were stoked on life, you know, doing your thing, and what made you decide to uh, transfer to Florida? Because uh, it was warm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was warm, and my best friend was down there. And we also, my family had a place. It was in Boca Raton. So, like, I had spent every Easter at, you know, Club Boca or Boca West or wherever the condo was. So I was like, oh, yeah, I know this place. And, you know, my best friend was there. And it just, it wasn't Traverse City, and it wasn't snow. And it just seemed like beach was good. Yeah. I went to see the extreme, right? And where is Boca Raton in, in Florida? Uh, I, I'm it's not... the East Coast, kind of by Palm Beach. Oh, okay. Uh, 
I don't know. That's way too tough of a question. <laughs> Anytime I'm down there, I'm always more north. Like okay. uh, my grandfather, who is uh, just amazing, um, he's in uh, right in the county seat, Polk County. I okay. mean, in Bartow between Tampa and Orlando. Okay. Sure. So I spent most of my time there or over, you know, Daytona Beach, that right. area. I never got to go too far right. down south. But um, yeah, the sunshine. Right. The sunshine and hey. no snow. Yeah, no snow. I was 19 or 18 or. It sounded like a good idea. At Little the time. did I know. At the time. <laughs> but um, we're coming up on our first break. This is actually already the end of part one. Wow. That's how quick 25 minutes goes. And I'll tell you guys, you know, this, uh, these shows, I hope, reach thousands across uh, the world because you you just never know and and like Lori said if, if you're questioning if you have a drinking problem maybe look a little deeper you know for me it was very similar I mean I knew in my mid-20s I think I told you I, I mentioned to my dad I had a drinking problem and I was shaky hands already because I drank for two years two three years in my 20s and then I quit for about 10 years 11 years um but I tell my dad I have a drinking problem, and I'm, like, shaky. He's like, hey, there's this buddy of mine, and I think his name was J.D. Don't quote me on that. Um, but he hands me his number. Well, I never call because I'm not ready to stop yet. And about three months later, four months later, I call the 800 number to find out where there's an AA meeting near me. I find one terrified freaking walk in this place. My eyeballs are as big as my stomach. I don't even know what I'm doing. And I sit down. And I, this guy next to me says, hey, uh, first meeting? And I said, yep. And he shakes my hand, and he says, I'm JD. It was a guy that my dad gave me his phone number three months ago, three months before that. And, and like Lori said, when I was t- telling her the story, she's like, you can't make that up. You can't make that up. And I, I, I still have my original blue book that he gave me that day, and I've never been able to find him since. I, my dad hasn't seen him. I've never seen him again that one day. But um, stick around for part two uh, because we're just getting into it. And it's going to get deep and we're going to have a good time. And I just want to thank you guys for tuning in and definitely share this across the world because it's a message that cannot be said enough. You know, sobriety is pretty cool. Addiction is a problem. And uh, let's try to let's try to put a little dent in that. So thank you very much. And uh, I will see you at part two with Miss Lori Josephs. Mm.